Welcome to Reteach, a place where professors know that student equity gaps can be closed and are willing to put in the work to figure it out. We are dedicated to our teaching and our students. We are passionate about improving our classrooms and our communities. We can make a difference. We will make a difference. I am your host, Bruce Hoskins, and my mind and heart are ready to learn. So what's up, everyone? So this episode is part two of how white teachers have saved my life. Okay, And remember, look, I really want to emphasize that this is about encouraging white teachers in the space of talking about student equity and talking about differential impact and historically marginalized groups and everything. I really want this to be encouraging because look, white teachers, white folks, there is something that you can do, right? It's like all this, all the research and everything. It doesn't let anybody off the hook. Um, And, you know, with respect, there are things that you can do in order to make sure that, you know, that that students of color and students from historically marginalized spaces are being treated well in your classes. Right. And so, you know, with that, this is me talking about like middle school and high school. But again, a little bit of background here In, in middle school. This is where a very interesting pattern to me really shows up that explains me as a student very well. It's O-A-B-U, okay? And so what, this is what that means, is that the O was for uh, attendance, right? And so I always would have an O in attendance because I very rarely, if ever, miss school. I said in another space, it's like, I love going to school. It helped me stay away from all the stuff that was normally bothering me in regards to my home life and everything. And it was, to me, it was a great place. I really liked school and being around my friends and learning stuff and whatnot. The AB is like, I could have just said A or B or whatever, but the AB is like basically the grade that I got, right? So I usually would get either A's or B's in classes. That's just, you know, and that's me. Remember, you know, I said in another space, it's like, that's just me working at pretty much like cruise control. I'm really not putting in a whole bunch of effort, but me not putting in effort normally got me an A or a B. And then the U comes in and that's citizenship, unsatisfactory citizenship, because I always, 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 always would talk in class. But remember, I was talking in class because I was done with my work fast. And then I would start talking to my friends. I did. I always got my work done. And so that's why I had the grading pattern that I did. And so this is this is me, right? And I kid you not, there's only one teacher that I had that's even worth mentioning in middle school, and that's Miss Parker. And all she did was just like me. I'm not even kidding about that. Like, for real, it's like I had her for two quarters, and she just liked me. For some reason, I have no idea, but for whatever reason, she just thought I was the coolest kid ever, and that's all she did. I kid you not. But because of her, I even wanted to go to school more, and she was the math teacher um, and whatnot, and so I got to go into that space and do something that I you know, relatively enjoyed, and with the teacher, that was very enjoyable. She liked me. That's it. That's all she did. And you know what? This is, this is really super old school. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember is that we were actually encouraged to go to school when we were sick. 
right? I don't know if anybody remembers that. Or maybe it's just because I was in a working poor situation um, and whatnot is that we were encouraged to go to school sick and um, and whatnot. And, you know, we knew very, you know, less about how disease was passed down and all that stuff, um, you know, back in the day. And so we were encouraged to go to school. And so I would go, I, I, went, I remember going to school with the flu, right? I mean, fever and everything. And I still, it was because it was exam day. And I didn't even think to ask Miss Parker for, you know, a, a different day to take the exam. I just took the exam. You got to take the exam twice. And it was funny. The day that I was sick is the day that I passed the exam. The other day when I wasn't as sick, I didn't do, I, I got like a 68, you know, and you needed a 70 in order to pass. But the first one, I actually got like a 72. And so I was like, yo, I made it to class. I passed. And like I said, but it had a lot to do with her just liking me. I mean, I know it sounds weird, but it is what it is. That actually had a huge impact in my life. And so then in high school, there again, it's like these to me these are really small things is that I had this professor or this teacher, Mr. Jet. He was my math teacher, and there was this one problem uh, that he asked us to do, I mean, whatnot, and I came up with an alternative way to solve it and it always solved correctly and he was absolutely fascinated that it worked all the time and so he tried to get me to explain it but I didn't understand I didn't know how to explain it like I told y'all I was like I'm not a math genius it's just I just saw the problem differently than how he was explaining it and how the book even told us to do it and I and I I created a way of doing it that just gave me the right answer all the time and Rather than say that I was cheating or that he couldn't believe that I got this, who helped me? He literally was just like, yo, Bruce, this is like really good. Like, man, I wish I could understand. The, the, it's like, I wish you could tell me more about how, what you were thinking as you were going through this. And I just felt really good about that. And then there was another time in his class where he had even told it, I, see, and I know with teachers, because I, I do this now, is that if I, if I say something at the beginning of the semester, I don't expect students to remember it come the middle of the semester or something like that, right? Or even at the end of the semester, I don't expect students to remember anything I said in the beginning. But I remember him talking about how you you can't divide by zero. And there's, there's this really big, you know, bad stuff that happens if you ever divide by zero, Right. He said something like that at the very beginning. Some student had asked the question, why can't we divide by zero? And he said, uh, later on, I'm going to show you why you can't divide by zero. I'm just not going to do it right now. And like, whatever. Right. And I'm not even kidding. Like the end of the semester, he does this, you know, quadratic equation or something like that. And um, and he show and he and he just he does it with just variables. And um, and it, and it's like, you know, and it winds up being that you wind up dividing by zero and at the end of it, you see that one equals two. And he was like, you know, he followed all the mathematical rules and then he looks at the class and he's like, so what do you think went wrong? And I'm like, you divided by zero on that step and you can't do that. No one else got it. No one else, even, even the smart kids in the class didn't know what was going on because well, I don't know why they didn't know why, but I just remembered that. And then I looked for it when he did it. And then I saw it. I'm like, it's because you divided by zero. And he was so amazed that I remembered that. And I remember that being very gratifying, right? 
um, there was another teacher in my English class who did something very similar to that. And that uh, I I believe it was, uh, I want to say it was Mr. Roach. I don't, oh man, I can't remember his name though. It's like, but anyway, um, it's drifted off. Maybe it'll come back to me. But we were going over like Dante's Inferno or something like that. And he was talking about like the hierarchy of like the divine or something like that. And it was like God was number one, man was number two, then angels were number three. And then he just kept on going down like animals were next and plants and whatever. And I remember looking at that and like expressing loudly is like, so people are ahead of angels And I remember him saying, you know, I knew you'd be able to notice that. And I felt very special with that. Not I'm being disruptive because I didn't, you know, raise my hand or something like that. It was just like, you know, I knew you'd be the one to notice that. Which made me feel like really important, right? Just and I'm telling you, it's like little stuff like this really had an impact on me. And then something bigger happened. Again, but this is, honestly, this is high school. I don't remember a whole bunch about high school except playing football. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know the sports of it. I remember a lot more about the sports and everything. And so, you know, take this for whatever it's worth. Um, I remember this one teacher, She, I guess it was anatomy, like a, an anatomy class or something like that. And um, her name was Miss Eddingfield Murphy, Miss E.M. for short. And um, I kid you not, yo, folks, I don't know if anybody's going to remember the Elvira show, like the Elvira horror show. Like, it, Google that. Google that. I'm sure the images still come up about Elvira, right? And so Miss Eddingville Murphy looked like Elvira. Like, she reminded, and everybody would call her that because that was when Elvira was out and everything. And here I am in her, in her class, and we're talking about the human body. And uh, the muscles specifically, all the muscles and everything. And I remember it's like she had, I mean, we had to remember like 50 something muscles, at, at least that, if not more muscles in the body. And I remember it coming just really easy to me because I because uh, I felt like half the muscles I knew already because I worked out with football, right? It's like I'm in the I'm in the gym and I'm working out my biceps and triceps. And so I knew that already. And then I knew a few other, of, uh, uh, you know, a few others of those names. And so then all the other names, it just, you know, it's like it was just a matter of remembering and everything. And I remember her just going like, man, you got this like down pat. And I'm like, cool, I appreciate that, you know. But this was the thing that actually affected me is that one of the days when she was going over the muscles, she literally hands me her stick and she says, Bruce, you go ahead and teach the class right now. Go ahead and go through the muscles with everyone real quick. I didn't think of anything at the time. All I did was like, okay, I just got up there and I start pointing at the things and I started trying to help people out with which muscles were which and everything. And I remember this one young white woman in the space. I, I mean, I guess they're all young uh, <laughs> in the space. And she was just like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I'm like, I didn't have any technique. I just remembered. And I don't know why I just did. Right. So that was something that was really positive that and purposeful that affected me. And then there was this other time with Miss Eddingfield Murphy. She was a she was really significant to me for just for almost like this one was what she didn't do. Okay. And so 
that same young white woman who was like, how do you remember all this stuff? After one of the exams, like when we were taking one of the exams, um, I remember this. I I kid you not. I remember this like it was yesterday. We were taking an exam. Miss Eddingfield Murphy, she walks out of the room. Like there's some back room or something like that. And, and it looks like she goes to walk away to, you know, talk to a professor, or, you know, to one of the teachers or something like that. Right. And I remember at that moment I was done with my exam and I start walking over, right, to go turn it in. As I was going to turn it in, this young white woman, she's like, Bruce, you know, let me get the answer. For, let's like, give me, give me, you know, give me some of the answers. And I'm like talking to her and I'm trying to tell her like, yo, you need to chill. But, you know, I'm a nice guy. And so I try to help her with like a couple. But then I remember, I kid you not, it was so freaky. And remember, like this is the Elvira stuff and whatnot. Miss E.M. was standing in the door just watching silently and like just this whole thing. I don't know how much of it she saw, but she definitely saw me talking to this person and she definitely, you know, got the gist that she was that this young white woman was asking me to help her cheat. And Miss Eddie Phil Murphy, she just stood there and it was the scariest thing. I kid you not, I almost crapped my pants, folks. Like straight up, it was a scary moment for me. And I immediately like, you know, got my paper, walked, turned it in, and you know, sat back down. It was like, oh, please, God, don't let her, you know, get me in trouble. Please don't let her get me in trouble. Please don't let her get me in trouble. I felt horrible. And Miss Eddingfield Murphy, she didn't even talk to me about it. She didn't turn me into the principal or something like that. And I was so relieved. But I wonder what would have happened if she would have misinterpreted that situation. Right? That I was trying to get answers from her versus her trying to get answers from me. What if... Right. What what could have happened? Shoot, I could have got expelled for crying out loud. I mean, who knows how that could how how that could have went down. But she didn't. And I know that that sounds really weird, folks, but she just correctly interpreted the situation. She dealt with the girl. And that was it. And I feel. I shouldn't have to feel like that was going above and beyond. But I definitely felt like that was going above and beyond of what she could have and or maybe even should have done with me. And so that was Miss Eddingfield Murphy. And then comes a guy named uh, Mr. Huggins. This dude is super chill. I love this guy. And for whatever reason, he really likes me. He's the he's the trainer for the football uh, folks. And so, you know, he's he was the trainer at the time. And then so he taught a training class. And so he taught us how to tape people up. And a lot of the class was about um, human anatomy, which I just got finished with Miss Eddie Phil Murphy about human anatomy. And for some reason, I remembered all these names and everything. And so I wound up getting 100 percent, like damn near 100 percent in his class. And I remember him just saying, I was like, Bruce, you're like the best student I've ever had. This is my first year teaching this class, but you are the best student I've ever had. And just remembering how proud I was of that, not only, right, just proud that I was of that. And then for him to just say that to me, because he surely didn't have to, but he did. And it made a difference. It made a huge difference, right, um, in my life, because that was a time in my life where things were actually going really bad for me. 
although I was accepted to two high uh, to two colleges right out of high school, this was the time when I realized I couldn't pay for any of it. And so for him to say that to me, for him to just say that, it was so encouraging to me through that space. And I'll always remember that because he didn't know that I was going through a hard time, but his words really stuck with me. And it was simple. It really was simple. The two other people that I have are actually coaches. And although I didn't get along very well with the head football coach, as a matter of fact, he hated me. I, I, I tell you, I mean, straight up, he did not like me one bit because I was the absolute epitome of a young, angry black male. I just didn't even realize it. I didn't realize I was coming across angry. I didn't realize I was coming across argumentative. I didn't realize that I had a problem with male authority figures in my life. I didn't realize any of those things. I didn't write as uh, that and all and I will say a lot of that stemmed from my absent father. I could own that, right? But coach Bingham he 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 just talked to me like I was a like he talked to me like I was a man. And that has gone so far in my life, right? Like he just talked to me like I was a man. And um and one time he was talk he was just telling me it's like, "Bruce, man, what have you done to these coaches because they don't, you know, I was I was a starter. I I, I played football and and at times I or when I was on JV and, var, and freshman I started both on offense and defense as offensive and defensive line, believe me, believe it or not. And but I remember him having this conversation with me in my junior year of saying, like, yo, I don't know what you did to this coaching staff or to the coaches, but a lot of them really don't want to rely on you um, and play in both ways and all this stuff. And so, you know, did you did you do something to piss them off or whatever? And, you know, me being a high school kid, I'm just like, whatever, you know. And so I wound up just starting on one side uh, of the ball. And junior year, it was – I was on offensive line and uh, senior year I was I focused on defensive line and it well it is what it was right um but for him to just talk to me like that it was just to me it was just really weird to, for him to just talk to me like I was like grown and just really like just trying to figure some things out or whatever but that was just to me that was one of like the coolest things of him just talking to me like I was just a man or at least a young man who could give him rational, reasonable answers back to any question that he asked. And the last one, his name is Coach Tilden. I actually got a chance to see him again. Um, now I'm actually coaching football at El Camino, my alma mater. And uh, things are really cool uh, for a lot of different reasons. And I actually got a chance to see him. And, uh, you know, uh, he gave me a big hug and everything. And he, he, this guy, he would. He, uh, there was times he would give me a ride home from school uh, after football practice. I don't know why he did that. I kid you not. I don't know why he did that. It's just there was just times though when he gave me a ride home from school, and there was this one time in particular where my mom is like. So I lived in these apartments, and so my mom would, uh, and and there was a grocery store next to the apartment space and uh, i don't know if anybody remembers gemco that's what i'm talking about though gemco i don't know if it exists anywhere else but in southern california but it's called gemco 
And my mom would do her shopping and then she would have to walk home. Well, she would walk home with the cart and take the cart all the way to the apartment that we were at. Um, and, you know, in order to, to, to do all, you know, to, to bring back all, all the groceries and everything, she would just take the cart. And um, and then we would later on, we would take the cart back. OK, so I, I want you to know we weren't stealing carts. OK, um, but I remember this. And my mom has since passed probably about about six years ago now uh, in my life. But this was this was a really key moment in my life. And Coach Tilden was there to just remind me to never be ashamed of my mom. I remember this so clearly. It is a really vivid memory of my mom, like, walking the cart of groceries down the hill, going towards the apartment, and we, Coach Tilden and I, were driving past my mother, and I'm like, yo, hey, that's my mom. And he was like, oh, well, let's stop and get her, you know, and pick her up. And I'm like, oh, no, my mom, she does this all the time. We, we don't know. We don't need to get her. Just, you know, just drop me off. And so he drives another, you know, like it was like 300 feet or so to my house. But when he drops me off, he looks at me. And he said, Bruce, I will never leave your mother behind like that again. I didn't realize how important that was for him to say that to me until decades later. I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. But I realize now that the reason why I didn't want Coach Tilden to pick me up is because I was ashamed of my mom. And I know that a lot of kids would say the same thing, but it was like, it was it was weird for me because my mom was Japanese she had this really thick accent, and it was like I was always a bit embarrassed about people talking to my mom because my mom was really hard to understand. And so I realized, like I said, it took me decades to actually realize the power of that statement. And I'm just glad that he just actually cared enough to say it at that time. And so and so I'm getting all emotional again, folks. But hopefully what's carrying in the space is just how little it actually takes to change a little black kid's life from whatever I was going to be before to Dr. Bruce Hoskins. I hope you learned something. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reteach. If you want to learn more about me or my open source introduction to sociology textbook, please go to brucehoskins.com. In closing, I want to leave us all with a question. If you learned something today that you think would help close your student equity gaps, how long will it take to incorporate this into your classroom? A year? A semester? Next month? Today? No matter the timetable, we must commit ourselves to becoming better teachers. 
Our students deserve it, all of them, not just the ones that are good already, 